Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Tori. Hello, Internet. And Dave. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Dave. All right, so we start every week with good thing. Uh, Craig, you are on deck. I am on the deck. So I have a correction I need for last week. I think I kept calling the game Grimdark, and the game is actually called Grim Dawn. Uh, Grimdark is what happens to Rose in Homestuck, though. Whoops. Spoilers. Not really. Um, also, you should read Dave. So yeah, so the game's called Grim Dawn. The thing I have for my good thing this week is, and I'm not sure if I did it before, Crypto the Necrodancer, which is Ooh. really good. Um, it has amazing music. Like, even if you don't play the game, you should listen to the soundtrack because they did an amazing job. But it's even better because you get into the music while playing the game. But it's a rhythm-based... Yeah. Ironically. <laughs> bard, you don't, don't, don't play as the bard. Like, it's more rewarding to actually play it as intended, I would say. Um, but th- So it's a rhythm-based roguelike where you have to move on the beat of whatever song is currently playing. So it actually has a certain beat. You have to move on the beat. You can only move on the beat. If you try to move early, it just nothing happens. And the creatures move every beat, even if you just stand there. Um, So it's better that you are also constantly moving. Plus, there's like a multiplier for making sure you're always on beat and stuff like that. So it's in your benefit to move. It sounds like it's tough, um, but it does a really good job of teaching you what you need to know. And it it is a very, like, rewarding roguelike to play. And there's a lot of different characters that play in different ways. Dave mentioned there's a bard who actually doesn't have to move on the beat. He's the only one who's weird. Um, And I don't suggest you maybe, like, you play at once just to sort of learn what the enemies do. But for the most part, you want to stick to, like, Cadence, who's the main character that you see in the the artwork and stuff like that, or some other character. Anyway, they also just announced that they're doing... No, what? Cadence from My Little Pony? No. Um, they just announced that Crypto Necrodancer is coming to Switch as <gasps> a Crypto Necrodancer with Link to the Past crossover oh. thing. Can we ban Dave? No, it's really cool. I'm sounding excited for it. I've heard about, about it before, but I'm, I'm hyped. it I posted up. a link to it in the good things. It's it, I'm excited. Um, I'm sort of curious what they did with it. Like, if it's just going to be levels like uh, a roguelike in Crypto Necrodancer, or if it's going to be more, there's an overworld that you just have to move on the beat to the song. And in the trailer, they're doing a remix to Tall Tall Heights, and that's cool. So that's pretty exciting. Hopefully it's a good game. Yes. Uh, Crypto Necrodancer, super duper fun. I'm bad at it. Like, I'm I'm extremely bad at it. But it's fun. It is. I am ready to buy a Switch now. I got Link to the or uh, Link's Awakening coming out this summer or fall. I forget. It's this year, and Hyrule Cadence whenever that comes out. You know, and and you have Smash. You can play Odyssey, dude. 
Breath uh, of the honestly, Wild. I was thinking of Switch being my good thing for this week because it's actually a really good console and maybe a future good thing for me because it, it actually got me to play more console games again. I, I went exclusively back to PC, but you know, Switch has some good stuff. I'm I'm back. I could play on my breaks at work too, and not have there to go. There you home. go. Dang, that's awesome. I'm gonna have to get one when Link's Awakening comes out. Yay! <laughs> I am not getting a Switch. Don't ask me about getting a Switch. I'm just a kid. <laughs> All right, Dave, what's your good thing? My good thing this week is, surprise, surprise, an original soundtrack from a video game. And we're going to play a little guessing game today. So my first clue is that Country. this game Ew. was composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. I don't know the name. Any guesses? You're the worst. Okay, you couldn't even guess Chrono Trigger when I said Yasunori Mitsuda. I don't Bomberman. know what name. You not Bomberman. It is it is a game by SquareSoft, an RPG on the PS1, and recently had a sequel come out. I think last year or maybe a year less than two years ago. Dragon Quest. And it starts with a weird letter of the alphabet. Wise. And it's called Xenogears. It has. I've I've played the game maybe an hour. I don't even think I got out of the first village. But the sole reason I played the game was for the soundtrack because a friend of mine in high school recommended it to me, knowing that I liked Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger music. Say, hey, check out Xenogears, composed by the same guy that did most of the work for Chrono Trigger. And gosh dang it, it is a phenomenal soundtrack. I know almost nothing about the game. But I love the music, and my favorite track from the game is Leftovers of the Dreams of the Stars. Stars or Strong, depending on... Old video game music titles were always in Japanese, and they got translated differently. But Leftovers of the Dreams of the Stars, which is also the theme to Yggdrasil. I guess that's a tree, or an airship, or a giant mech. I've, Like I said, I don't know anything about Xenogears, but I know that's the Yggdrasil theme, and it's called Leftovers of the Dreams of the Stars. And it's by Yasunori Mitsuda, possibly the greatest video game composer of all time. I, me, oh man, but David Wise exists. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I, okay, I, I don't Why know if I can, too? I can't, I can't do that. I will say that Yasunori, Yasunori Mitsuda is the greatest Japanese video game composer of all time. No. I mean, you're going to say Uematsu or Kondo, and I'm like, yeah, uh, yes. they have a ton of work, but just Mitsuda's, the intricacies, and that's the problem is Mitsuda doesn't, doesn't have a huge portfolio like Uematsu does, but everything that he touches is golden. And Uematsu did work on Chrono Trigger as well, yes. But only because Mitsuda, so <laughs> but only because Mitsuda basically worked himself sick writing this. I, I don't know if it's because he was working so hard on the Chrono Trigger soundtrack, but I'm going to say that it is because that dedication definitely shows in the composition. Trigger. Oh, okay. I mean, he is good. I do like that soundtrack, but I'm the best. Okay. All right. My good thing this week is the first book in a trilogy. I've only read the first book. I haven't read the trilogy yet, but uh, it is by N.K. Jemison, and it's called... Um, the trilogy is called Broken Earth. The book is... The it's like fifth, fifth season. season or something? 
guess what? I just started reading that as well. Like literally, I started two days ago reading that. Um, the sort of pitch for it is that there are earthquake mages, and that's extremely bad. Um, but so they're all Rydia from Final Fantasy IV. Uh, but yeah, like the the basic plot of it is that I don't know, kind of like. Kind of like the X-Men have traditionally been, the, like, magically empowered people are sort of stand-ins for, um, for, like, uh, people of color, um, LGBT people, like, like, people who have been marginalized by society for things outside of like their... Like racism and sexism and right. all of those other isms. Like, the, the same sorts of, of things that X-Men comics have traditionally handled in very much the same way um but super duper good like extremely good book i enjoyed it immensely i'm looking forward to eventually getting to read the second and third although the wait list for the audiobooks through my library's program was ridiculous i think i waited like six months for this first book but it was worth it so i need to get on those waiting lists the fifth season, N.K. Jemison. Yeah, so I saw, I started reading it. So I'm very like we're only talking, you know, first chapter. So it hasn't grabbed me yet. It's just sort of setting up what's going on. So I don't know how I feel about it yet. Uh, yeah, there's there's some world building. Like you're not really gonna understand what's going on for a bit. But like once things start falling into place, just like any sort of epic fantasy, like there's a decent amount of world building before you ever actually get. You're, like into it, but once you do, it's great. Okay. So, Tori, what is your good thing this week? My good thing this week is uh, I discovered a new manga. Uh, I have a new coworker who transferred to my branch from a larger library that had a huge manga collection. So she's current with all of the you know what's new and hip and uh i i used to read a lot of it like in college and then i stopped um so i i noticed that she was ordering a bunch of them and i said oh hey what's new and and so she recommended some titles to me so i'm probably going to be using manga as my good thing for the next several weeks because i've been binge reading all of it i, think I want to talk about this one called Horimiya. So that, that's H-O-R-I-M-I-Y-A. And it's a cute little romance uh, in which the girl Hori is, um, she's the honor student and is always perfectly groomed at school. But at home, she takes care of her little brother because her parents are workaholics. And so at home, she's all yoga pants and ponytails and just is basically mom. Uh, and then the boy in the story is Miyamura and he is um, at school. He has long hair and glasses and everyone thinks he's an otaku. Um, but outside of school, it turns out the long hair is hiding all of his multiple piercings and he is covered in tattoos. And so he and Tori meet outside of school and um, kind of become friends because of this secret identity that they both have outside of school. And eventually they fall in love and it's too stinking cute. It's too cute. Okay. 
Neat. Um, I, so, uh, I have a library manga story, too. I walked into my local library randomly one day. I just went out for a walk, and I stumbled upon a library. I walked in, and I read the first issue of Tokyo Ghoul. I just tripped, and then one. I was in a library. <laughs> that basically is what happened. So I was like, doop doo doop doo doo Oh, a library. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I've never accidentally gone to a library. I fell into a crater, and it turned out it was the kind of conventicle of Saren, or whatever. <laughs> the yeah, conventicle of Saren, rap. I <laughs> forget. Sa- Sauron? Conventicle of something. Saren, you had it right. Yeah. Saron? Saren. Saren. No. Okay. Because so. if it's Saren, then that's then Brandon ripped off WoW. Because I was actually also thinking of the uh, Pit of Saren, which is uh, which is one of the five man instances from Wrath of the Lich King. But never mind. <laughs> um. Yeah, we've had this discussion before. Uh, pretty it's sure. Adventure Company. <laughs> at least that portion of WoW predated Mistborn. So yeah. All right, uh, Dave, you finished off. Part five of Mistborn, the Well of Ascension. Tell us. Oh, yeah. Part five, chapters 52 through 55, the end of part five. And I am excited because as soon as this call ends, I can actually finish the book. (laughs) Um, Can't even put it down. (laughs) I mean, that's. That's been sort of mean on our end because the avalanche started like at the end of part four and we've forced Dave to like separate this out <laughs> by like a month. It's basically, yeah. I guess the avalanche started when Vin and Zane have their final showdown, I guess. Yeah, that's what yeah. I consider it. Um, yeah, basically like the part where if I had been reading it on my own, I would have just finished the book at that point. You've been forced to spread space out over like a month. But I had time to complain about the OPness. <laughs> Phrasing. But we'll see. I've got some theories about why Vin is so strong, but you'll you've you've read them, you can decide whether discuss them today or during the finale or wrap up. Uh but okay. So Chapter fifty two Breeze soothes the zinc date. The zinc gate dude wow i when i wrote that it didn't seem like it would be that hard to say breeze soothes the zinc gate dudes that is really (laughs) hard to say breeze soothes the zinc gate dudes but how many how much wood would woodchuck chuck (laughs) if woodchuck could chuck did we just write our own tongue twister that's awesome you mean we oh dave take it all the credit (laughs) breeze can't even say it uh all right Clubs thinks the boys are doing well. Clubs used to fight alongside the Colas. Vin runs for the friends she loves. How dare they? Dagum Kelsier made Breeze and Clubs idiots. The wall is breached. Sazed thinks the eastern defenses will hold. Brassmine stores heat. Civilians show up. That's Holy fuckness. <laughs> Kolos climb the wall and bust open the gate. Sazed taps pewter. Vestigial loincloth wall. Fight! Vin is still hours from Luthadel. Ska laughing? Horseshoes. 
Okay. That about sums up chapter 52. It was a long one, but I think we made it through okay. Uh, it's so random because you have, like, <laughs> fighting war-type battle stuff, and then what? you have... It's a montage that goes between a warfront and, like, a girl... Grass store swarm, or whatever it was, was that you said. Oh, I have a lot to say about that. Not really. I have one thing to say about it, but we'll get I, to it. I really, I really want to see a screenshot of your notes and, like, what kind of font you used to express the voices that you just had. <laughs> I don't use different fonts, but punctuation and capitalization. Uh oh! Do you want to go ahead and post? This is uh, but this is the chart that I drew up of full sixteen elementic medals. If you guys want to post that in Craig's chat right now, this was what I wrote down before reading this chapter. And gosh dang it! Okay, let's start at the top. Breeze is at the zinc gate and he's soothing some dudes. Uh, and then Clubs rides up, and Clubs is like, "Oh, they're doing pretty well, considering." You know, they're just, they're, they're about to face certain death. And we also get a little glimpse into Clubs' past. You know, we heard before that he was a man of war, but we didn't know that he was actually in an army of Coloss or an army that utilized the Coloss, which, if you'll recall, the, the Conjurer's prophecy is that the, there will be a nuclear holocaust because the, Humans will be using the Coloss to wipe each other out. Okay, so we cut to Vin, and she is trying to get back to Luthadel as fast as possible. She figures out or assumes that the Well of Ascension is actually in Luthadel. And while she's running, she's doing a little bit of pewter dragging, like uh, she and Kelsier had done once before to get to the mines where the army was back in Mistborn. And she has time to reflect on how she really cares and loves about all these people. and kind of kind of mad that they betrayed her in that they sent her away and didn't give her the option of sacrificing herself for them as Kelsier did. Okay, so we cut back to Breeze and Clubs and they're just like we're we're stupid. Kelsier turned us into idiots. Why are we're like we're thieves? Why are we here defending a city? Well, they didn't turn them into idiots, just that they're not prepared. They literally said Kelsier turned us into idiots. Did it, really? That those are words in the book. Yes, I forget okay. if Breeze or Club says it, but they're both they they both agree to it. Okay. Uh, read it. Read, did you read your chapters this week, Craig? I read them like months ago. <laughs> Does Craig ever read his chapters? I read them in the past. Should get the audio book. So, mm. uh, anyways, they're dumb. Thanks to Kelsier. And we go to Sezed holding up the Eastern Well, and he thinks that they're going to hold out. And he, this is from his perspective and his internal thinka-linking, we find out that brass is a ferrochemical metal that stores heat. And gosh dang it, if I didn't guess that warmth or heat would be a ferrochemical property. I had it on Duralumin, though, not on brass. And I'm a little bummed because at least alimentically, brass is a mental metal, and heat is obviously a physical property. Like You can think that you're warm, but the actual speed of the molecules in your body is a physical aspect. So, uh, again, Farukami isn't necessarily 
uh, one to one. So you had a reason for putting it where you did, right? And I don't know if Duralumin is physical, and I don't actually know if the secondary metals are broken down the same way physical, mental, internal, and so forth. I just guess that they probably are because I don't, I don't see it as okay. You have your eight basic metals with these properties and these subcategories. I see the alimantic metals as a matrix and. So far, we've seen four different axes, the physical mental axis, internal external axis, push pull axis, and the like material slash time axis. I don't really quite know what to call it. Uh, I think Vin at some point threw out the term time affecting versus uh, material affecting or physical affecting. I don't remember. But uh, so I, I'm seeing Alamancy as a four dimensional matrix. And that's why I figure there have to be at least six. There have to be sixteen. I, and during the Mistborn wrap up, I said it's probably whatever the number is. It's probably a power of two. And Craig said it wasn't more than two fifty five. Yes. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So brass mind store seat. And now the Colossus are just about to bust down the door, and some civilian shows up, and and they're all of the the Church of the Survivor, and they're oh the Lady Air will show up and save us all. You're the holy first witness, Azed. You should know this. Azed doesn't really like the title that he's been given, and lo and behold, the Colossus start climbing the wall, and they bust the gate open. So Azed taps every freaking bit of pewter, save for like a couple. I think he has in in his rings. Every other like freaking bit of pewter and he becomes the size if not bigger of a coloss and not one of those like dinky four foot skin sagging off their face coloss but like the big old stretched skin so tight that it's starting to rip at their face size coloss and uh later on it's mentioned that the coloss they don't really understand tactics all they understand is size and brute strength so they're actually a little taken aback by how uh, how tough Sezed gets, and he just I, he just like straight up punches a giant coloss in the face, and he just he's like I gotta say something, so he says fight, uh, and I also pointed out the the term vestigial loincloth came out during this description of Sezed because he gets so big and muscular that all his clothes break off, but he has a vestigial loincloth, and I think. That's that's funny because <laughs> what's what's it covering up? It's vestigial, right? <laughs> I, know, I thought that was kind of humorous, not in like a distractingly silly to say kind of way, but I just like ah, oh, that's a clever way to put it. All right, cut back to Vin, and Vin is still hours from Luthadel. She uh, encounters some sky uh, that are obviously outside of Luthadel, and they're. They seem to be having a good time. Life's been great for them since uh, since the gosh. I'm trying to think of the technical term. The descension. What the heck did they call it? The fall. The fall of the final empire. There's an actual term for it. Forgot it. Wow. And like it's like on the first page of the book. Anyway, so you know, life's pretty good for these uh, Scott that aren't being attacked by three armies at once. And so she's. Uh, you know, it doesn't have a a, a, sp- a spikeway to Alomant back to Luthadel fast enough. And she doesn't have enough pewter to keep on dragging to get to Luthadel. So she borrows a handful of horseshoes and she makes her own like little <laughs> improvised spikeway where she has to keep 
pulling the horseshoes back over to her to push them forward to push off of them and man that that's got to take a lot of concentration but uh, i thought it was it was a pretty cool uh, pretty cool idea so you know i was always bothered by pewter dragging cuz you're still sort of limit limited physically like you're going beyond the bounds of a physical body but like mechanically speaking the body can only move she does this thing with the horseshoes that's got to be a lot better because you're just pushing your I way. mean it's, it's like, certainly better for her reserves because the iron and the steel they don't uh they, they don't, don't burn out as, as fast and, yeah, and then she it's can not keep... gonna leave her physically exhausted like pewter dragging is like she's basically is and and by the end of part five will just collapse because she doesn't have any more pewter to burn Right, she still has to keep the pewter burning because she's already, like, out of her limits. But she doesn't have to use as much mm-hmm. now. And, and I just I just like the, con- like, she's essentially, like, inverse juggling. And it looks really cool in my head. Yeah. Which I think is the intention. But I, I think it's better than pewter dragon. I, I lo- it's, it's something I could see a Mistborn doing. She made herself a horseshoe car. Yes. Basically, uh, yeah, and I like it because, like, she pushes off of one, but as soon as she pushes off, like, she's using the weight of the ground to push herself away, but then the horseshoe isn't attached to anything, so she can pull it back and it doesn't disrupt her momentum. So, I don't think I, she pulls I, I it like back it. either. I think it, it pulls it so it's over her, like, she pulls it so it arcs over her head and goes in front of her, right? Well, she pulls it while she's moving. So, yes. like, she's not in the okay. same place she was by the time the horse. So maybe gets she doesn't to have to catch it and rethrow it, but it's yeah. right. Exactly. She's she pulls it hard enough that it just gets thrown forward. So then, when she gets up there, she can push off of it, and she just she's like what? It's like three. I think she goes up to six or something like that, and she just keeps this constant rotation. It looks crazy, but and it's it seems like this. That I am increasingly convinced that the best medium for Mistborn as a visual medium would be an anime. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This would be, be so cool in anime. And I'm not it's even like an, an anime fan. Like, I'm not. Anything. Well, that's not technically anime, but it's whatever. We, we, it's we close get enough. what you mean. Uh, and I'm not even like an anime. I've, I've watched maybe three or four different animes in my lifetime. And, but just like, I just this whole concept of Mistborn and Alamancy and Farukami, it's just it would lend itself so well to anime. Make fair. it happen, Brandon. Yeah. Although I did read his uh state of the year, the the Col Coloss head munching day, which he says you know, he talks about the process of how long it actually takes to, you know, get someone to bid on property rights and everything. So yeah. And I don't think they're working on getting it an anime made right now, so that we know of. Ooh. Any questions about chapter fifty two? Nope. Continue. Alright then. Chapter fifty three. Straff plans his next move. Sezed closes the gate. Tindwell's gate has been breached. The Coloss opens Sezed's gate. Doe. Rip clubs. <laughs> Rip breeze? Nope. Breeze got away and hid. Coloss broke into Venture Ballroom. <sniffs> Rip Dachshund? Streff lets Luthadel burn down. Streff needs to deal with Janarl. 
Set will wait and help Strap. Vin returns just in time to save Sazed. Poggers! Sazed grabs <laughs> civilians and hopes to escape through the northern breach. Ham and Sazed find Breeze. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. I can just imagine you saying Poggers. There was just a whole line of Pog champs just filled with them. Like, Not oh Pog my champs. god. Poggers. Poggers is the uh, Pepe version of PogChamp. Yeah, but it, it's it's like, oh, isn't it? Like, I don't know, whatever. Continue. <laughs> All right, so we cut to Straff, and he's talking about, he's talking to Jonah, his uh, general, and he's like, nope, we're not going to go in and save him. We're just going to wait till everyone's dead and then go and find our plunder. And then we go back to Seiza, and he manages to get the gate back closed. Uh, and then we go to here, get news from a courier that uh, tells Seiza that Tindwell's gate has been breached, and you know he wants to send message back to Dachshund. And then the Colossus reopens Seiza's gate. Oh no! And we cut back to Clubs and Breeze's gate, and uh, Clubs dies. Bye, Clubs. And Breeze is like. Really scared and just runs away and hides. And he's not proud of himself for it, but that's what he did. And then we have Kolos breaking into Venture Ballroom, which is the mission control of this whole operation where Dachshund has all his battle plans laid out. And we don't find out at this moment how Dachshund fared, but we won't have to wait long to find out. All right, back to Straff, and he's uh, talking to Janarl, and he's sure that Janarl's just going to betray him and kill him. So he needs to deal with him. And then we go back to Set and Alrian, and he's like, Sorry, Missy, I'm going to help Straff. Should have known this was going to happen. I'm not going to save your boyfriend. And then we go back to Seizet, and he's just about to get his face mashed in by a Coloss. But then Finn returns and saves him just in the nick of time. Good thing she had those horseshoes. And then Seize grabs lucky horseshoes. Oh yeah, and Vin also just like completely destroys the day. And I don't think I think this is actually the point and I didn't write it down here for some reason. But uh Vin Oh, never mind. That's the next chapter. Okay. So, yeah, right now she's just beating up Kolos and just beating the ever-living snot out of every blue thing she sees. And then Seizet and some civilians are going to try to escape through the North Gate. And then separately, Ham and Se- Well, as they're doing that, Ham and Seizet are collecting people, survivors that they can. They run into Breeze. Okay. That's the end of Chapter 53. Okay. So, as, stuff is as a magic system, uh, Alamancy is extremely combat-focused. So, yeah, like, one Mistborn can absolutely, like, wreck the shop of a pretty decent-sized non-Alamantic army. I wouldn't say that it's combat-focused. I I think that its alternate applications are just as varied as the combat applications. But as far as combat abilities go, it's one of the best ones. It's it's I would say it's a combination of the ease of use and application you can use for it. Like... You could probably do a lot with the Aeon Door, but the learning curve in order to actually get it to do stuff is very, very steep. Okay. And also, so, talking, your, talking your enemy into holding still for a few minutes while you draw <laughs> cool pictures in the air? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I failed my concentration check. 
All right, wait right there. <laughs> hey, we made it so far without mentioning Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to blow you up with a fireball, but it's going to take me a couple minutes to get all the modifiers right, so just wait right there. I mean, it's ten rounds, but ten rounds is really is only one minute. It's In the grand scheme of things, ten rounds isn't that long. Uh, but actually, Farukami, <laughs> Farukami is technically power, more powerful than Alamancy if given time to store it. It has no upper bound. Exactly. So it's potentially more powerful than Alamancy. Right. Or you could be like Lord Ruler. So, uh, really quick tangent, just going to mention this. Uh, I, I think it was mentioned in Mistborn that normally Farukamis draw upon their own power to fuel their minds, but did the Lord Ruler actually draw upon metals? Like, did he just burn pewter and use that burnt pewter to fill his pewter mines? Uh, Mike? I think that's like, kind of important. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that was actually like that's that's part of the whole deal is you're supposed to have understood that at the end of the book. It's not well explained. But I'm okay. going to go ahead and and give you that one. Yes. Okay. All right, any questions about chapter 53? Yeah, so what are your thoughts about Breeze in this chapter? I think uh, he acted like any sane man would. I mean, he's not a he's, fighter. Right, like, he's just like he he broke under the pressure, which is understandable. I mean, it's not what you like to see out of the heroes of your story, but it's realistic, and yeah. I still respect Breeze. I just uh, maybe I wouldn't respect Breeze if I actually had to fight alongside him, and he did that. But uh, at the same time, I mean, Breeze basically becomes a civilian against the Coloss army. Like he can, he's there to bolster the troops. But when the troops are beyond bolstering, his power is worthless against Kola. So, right. you no, know, I mean, it's like, are you are you really mad at Edward for running from the antlion battle when you're trying to get the, the ruby to save uh, Rosa and the typo in? Yes. Absolutely you are. Yeah. Everybody hates Edward. But Breeze is cooler <laughs> than Edward. That's my point. Yeah, Breeze is just a and regular Anna dude is who is also... <laughs> A little older and out of shape and not trained for combat. And Kelsey Grammer. Yes. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Edward is a is a prince, actually, so he should know something. Yeah, he knows how to use all of your potions without letting you know he's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Can he use potions while he's hiding? No, just one of his special abilities, like... Uses potions without actually telling you. Oh he's using yeah, potions. he has like a he has like a cure all ability, but it it consumes a potion, and you can't even use higher level potions. It can only use the tier one potions, if I recall. Wow, Edward's son. He really does. <laughs> What's really I fun will give is... him this. So in the GBA remake, if you go into one of the like DLC, whatever, one of the GBA exclusive dungeons, which also transferred to the PSP version. He gets this harp that makes him like OP as all get out. Like the, his one ultimate weapon, just, it makes him extremely powerful. But he still hides when he gets low health. Uh, if you play the uh, the Final Fantasy IV randomizer, um, there will often be times where you get like a really early Edward, so he gets to level up decently, and then he just carries the party from that point forward. If you find a spoon. Anyway, let's get back to the book. Yeah. Uh, Chapter 54, Vin is okay with killing in order to defend the defenseless. 
Vin finds a buster sword. Who saw that coming? <laughs> I think you did on the cover. <laughs> Rip Dachshund. Rip Penrod? Vin runs out of iron, steel, and pewter. Vin Duralumin soothes some coloss. Vin talks to Penrod, so I guess he's not Rip. Vin postpones Sezed's scolding. Rip Tindwill. Sezed's life has been a sham. So, you know, Vin's uh, had all this time to reflect while she's Pewter Dragon, and she's like, you know what? Killing, I don't like killing, but sometimes it's the best option to defend the people that deserve to be defended. You know? So she comes to basically like a moral conclusion in that in time that she's had to think to herself. She kills some Colossus and grabs a Buster Sword off of him and I think has juggled around multiple Buster Swords and like steel pushed them at Colossus and just she basically has an arsenal of Buster Swords. I imagine that she's steel pushed. She's she's basically Edge. We're <laughs> not talking about Final Fantasy IV anymore. She just chucks some swords at everybody. I mean, did, uh, okay. did you watch Final Fantasy VII Advent Children? No. Yeah, I was thinking of that limit break there at the end. Yeah, Cloud has a limit break where he basically like pulls out every sword that's ever been in a Final Fantasy and like throws <laughs> and stabs funny. it at <laughs> I need the to person. watch that again. Alright, so we do get news from the Courier that Doxin has indeed perished at the hands of Kolos. And Penrod's kind of like stuck up on the wall with some Coloss coming at him, so we don't really know what his fate is till five minutes later. Vin runs out of iron, steel, and pewter. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. What? We knew Dachshund died in the last chapter because we actually got a point of view from him, didn't we? We got a point of view from Dachshund with a Coloss that was about to smash his face in. Right. We had such it's a point of view from Seized, and Seized got saved, but Dachshund unfortunately okay. did not. That's fair. Well, there's only the one Vin. There's only one Vin. And she likes Sazed better. I mean, yeah. Sazed was on the perimeter of the city. That's No, nah, she just likes like, Sazed better. Doxin was like three blocks away. Come on. Sazed was there for her haircut. She likes him better. <laughs> Sazed <laughs> lectured her about religion during her haircut. But she secretly liked that lecture, as she likes all lectures. Finn runs out of iron, steel, and pewter. So, whoops. Don't have any of the resources to fight anymore. All she's got left is some emotional alamancy, which, as of this point, has proved ineffective against the Colossus. But what if she enhances it by burning some Duralumin? And she gets an effect similar, or I guess exactly the same, as when she did the same thing against Half Past Nine. She basically gets to control the Coloss if she tries to Duralumin soothe them. And then she rides a Coloss, and uh, he holds her up to Penrod standing on the wall. The Penrod is saved, and Seized's in big trouble, but uh, Vin allows him to go on a personal mission before coming back to get a spanking. And we get to the perspective of Seized, and of course, he's going to the North Wall to see what became of Tindwell. And unfortunately, the news is grim. And Seized also laments the fact that he he knows all these religions, but he doesn't have faith in a single one and didn't even trust the Church of the Survivor or trust Vin to come back and rescue him. And Seized is feeling pretty down on life. 
And I bet he wished he could forget it by putting some memories into a copper mine. But we'll see if that... We'll see if my trilogy ending dream of everything gets shut into a copper mine actually happens. Not, I don't know, not necessarily from Seize. All right. Any questions about chapter 54? So we're massing, we mass quite the body count uh, between the main and named characters. Uh, not to mention, of course, everyone who's in the city that had to survive this. So there were probably a couple, maybe a couple surprises for you. I don't know. I, but you guys ask me this every and Tindwell. I don't like playing who's going to live, who's going to die. I just, I like to read and experience it. And I know yeah. you guys try to get me to play along, but, uh, so I don't know. I guess I didn't think about it enough to be surprised. <laughs> okay. That's fair. All right. Let's talk for a second about Vin, um, uh, mind controlling some Coloss. Okay. Uh, do you feel like that was, um, set up well enough that, like, when it happened, you weren't surprised? per se. Okay, so there are two aspects to that. One is, could Vin have thought of that? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. Uh, she has the experience of mind-controlling Tensoon, and she also has learned from Tensoon that the Chandra and the Kolas are kind of sister races, so to speak. So she has every reason to Think, think that, think of this scenario. And even if she's not necessarily trying to mind control the Coloss, she's just trying to influence them with Allomancy, which, so it's fine. Secondly, the other thing, so that's the first aspect. Would, would she think of it? Absolutely, yes. And the second thing is, would she think of it and try it in the moment? And the answer to that is, if she has no other option, then absolutely, yes. She had no other option. She was out of all of her fighting medals. So she basically just, she had to last ditch effort, see if she could soothe some Coloss, and she got more than she bargained for. I mean, I think that was the big payoff. Like, yeah, she did it to um, Tensoon at that one point, like first to sort of try it out. And then, of course, using it, using him against Zane, sort of. Um, but the whole thing was to set this up. As the big thing. Yeah. My okay. only concern is that she seems to be able to do this and control an army of Coloss. Or maybe she just has to control the biggest one and they'll all follow the biggest one. I don't know. Is that actually a concern or is that just really awesome? It's really <laughs> awesome, but... You know, it's not a concern. And here's why. Breeze can soothe hundreds of people at a time. You know, as he's trying to bolster the troops, Vin is a more powerful Alamancer, and she might she might actually be soothing fewer people than Breeze was at the time. It's actually not a problem now that I've thought about the fact that soothing multiple people at once has been a thing forever. Yeah, and she also has Duralamin. Ah, how does how long does she get control over them though? Because when she burns Duralamin and Zinc, then her Zinc is gone in an instant. So, with, you know, what is the time frame that she gets control over the Coloss? Because, you know, she basically only got control of Tensoon long enough for him to, I don't know, bite her in the leg or whatever happened. I forget during that fight, but 
Uh, or no, to come. So she she had him walk over so she could cut the uh, ATM, the the cool ATM out of his shoulder. That's what happened. But yeah, how long is she actually going to get control of them? Whoops! I accidentally dropped this Rayfo card. Dave, I think <laughs> you should hold on to it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, the cover of Fury of Ages has been standing over the corpse of a Coloss, so I imagine she's going to have to deal with them somehow. Yep. All right, let's keep going. All right, chapter 55, the ultimate chapter of the penultimate part of The Well of Ascension by Brandon Sanders. Straff wakes up to a hot cup of black frame tea. Here come the Colas. Here come the humans. Here comes the Mistborn. <laughs> Finn cuts a dude in half. Finn cuts a horse in half. Set returns, but there is no obvious victor. Alrianne runs off. Set moves in to defend Luthadel. Yay! Vin brings Jannarl, Penrod, and Set into submission of Ellen. Wait, did you actually mention that Vin killed Straff in that bit? Yeah, Vin <laughs> cuts a dude in half. Yeah, Straff okay. Straff was the dude. Yeah, Straff was the horse. horse. And she just kind of one buster sword shot just leave. I do feel bad for the horse, but why don't we actually go with the real summary? That's it. Oh, okay. That's the end of part five is that Vin's just like, all right, everyone, get along and listen to my husband. That's that's it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and they're like, this isn't... Oh, dude, there's a freaking... I love I love Vin's attitude toward Penrod, too. So they're all like, oh, this isn't what Ellen would want. He wouldn't want you fighting. And she's like, Ellen's not here right now. And then she she deals with Janarl, who... Ellen rightfully has a place to command Janarl because he is the rightful heir of House Venture. And she gets to King Penrod, and she's like, Ellen wouldn't just buckle in and give in to violence. And Vin's like, admit it, you're not the man Ellen is. And I freaking loved that from her. <laughs> so, yeah, Streff uh, wakes up, and I, it just says that he has to consume the black frame. That's the drug that is mistress slash alchemist made for it got him addicted to and i just imagine he makes a little like a little morning tea out of it and then the coloss army's coming and then off behind the coloss they see a human army behind them like what's this they're coming together and then just like out vin just dro starts dropping down out of the sky and straff's like what is that <laughs> and then she gets close enough that he can recognize her and he's like well i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> and then vin just in one stroke, cleaves Straff and his horse. Keep in mind, he's probably burning tin at this point. Like, yeah, so he probably saw her a good few seconds before she made it to him. She did also, I think, come over with a Duralamin enhanced steel push, so you know. And he's also high, because earlier <laughs> in the chapter, terrible. he made the decision... Yeah. I shouldn't get clean of this. I should just be high all the time because this feels amazing. No, he wants to be addicted so that it'll wake him up early in the morning. Or because it feels good. I don't know. But yeah, so no Zane to save him. Rip Straff. <laughs> 
So anyway, Set returns, and remember, Set's like, I'm going to show up, and whoever's winning, I'm going to join that side. But the Luthadel slash Coloss army seems to be pretty evenly matched with Straff's army. But uh, then, you know, Raiden goes and kills all of the Straff's generals. She just, like, runs around the army and just, like, offs all of the leaders. Yeah, and so, then eventually it becomes more obvious that Luthadel is going to be the victor. So Set moves in. Well, actually, that's not really true. I think they were still kind of like, oh, I remember. Okay, I'm sorry. I read it a couple of days ago. Set is like, I don't know what side to take. And Alirion's like, bye, Dad. I'm going to Luthadel. And he's like, well, crap. I guess I have to defend Luthadel now. He sometimes needs a kick in the butt. So I, I, I want to talk about this, though, because I feel like they were sort of using Brandon sort of used traditional military tactics here, but having a Mistborn and having anyone like having that capability of, of Alamancers available changes things. So in like traditional warfare, like your generals and everything, they're hard to get to like, yeah, you're going to have the leaders that like lead from the front, but you also have a number of, of generals and stuff in the background. Like and they're pretty, <laughs> like okay, like said, but also Straff is one of those. He he's not the kind to get his hands dirty. It's sort of a mistake to just open himself up to a misborn like that. I mean, it's the sort of person he is. Uh, maybe he did trust that Zane was somewhere around, despite Zane saying, "I'm done with you," um, and of course not getting word for however long the period of time was, but. I feel like it's it's sort of a mistake, but it's also a good thing on Vin's part rather than just having like like throwing a whole body and army against another army to just basically cut off the head, get the generals and the leaders, and make them surrender. Like it's a really good, effective way to just deal with it. And what was be, the question? To be completely fair to Vin for this, she did warn him. She did. Yeah, she did uh, when when she visited, and and that's what I'm, I'm, my, my it wasn't a question. My statement was: I wonder if this is somewhat of a mistake on Brandon's part because I feel like growing up knowing nope. about Alamancers, we got being again. a noble leader, you should know how to deal with this sort of thing. You have protectors, you have you know coin shots and whatever that are just there to protect you. In case a Mistborn or other Alamancers are used against you, because then again, Vin's weird, and she found Duralamum. That's not a thing that existed according to these people. So you wouldn't expect a Mistborn to just leap out of the air right into the middle of your army. That's so. what I was gonna, actually going to counter with. If you hadn't brought it up. If Vin has Steel and Duralamum and Pewter, then does it really matter how deep into the army Strap? Right, that that is a a thing that it probably wasn't accounted for 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 Straff. Straff didn't account for that. So yeah, yeah okay, oh, that's just fair. He did it before, but I think that was in the presence of Set's army, not Straff. Correct, and they didn't know how far she had jumped in from. She jumped in to save Breeze, who was on the on the run from. Right, Set, I right. Believe. Yeah. Okay. All right, you got anything else, or are we kicking you off and then going into Spoiler Town? Uh, it depends if you want to go over my any of the theories that I wrote down. Yes. Okay. I, th I think you should mention them at least so we have them on record and... Yeah, in case they come later. up. So, um, theory one, part six will explain why the sun is red. And this is directly... Uh, this is a theory that 
I got directly from the mouth of Mike by listening to the Mistborn rap. <laughs> he said, by the end of Well of Ascension, you'll know why the sun's red. And my question isn't so much why is the sun red. My question is why are the sun and Torchfire different colors? But whatever. That one's a little silly. So I do have a new Vin's mother theory. So I, I have this whole chain of thought. I started off by thinking, you know, Vin's mom either knows, quote, God. If I say God, it's referring to the voice in in Zane's head. Vin's mom either knows God or was harassed by some other being that knows that, that knows God. Or maybe Mrs. Vin is actually a being like God. The reason I don't think that Vin's mother is God is because God apparently wants Vin alive and Vin's mother tried to kill her. And if if Vin's mom is this transcendental creature, that would explain why Vin's got superior power. And then I thought maybe God is Vin's grandfather and she was ashamed and I don't know, but then I got to this brilliant conclusion that I'm I, I don't know I, I love this theory and I'm going to have to wait I'm sure to find out if it comes true but do you guys remember how the Steel Inquisitors were out to capture Vin so that they could use her as testimony against uh, against Tavidian because they wanted yeah. to show that Tavidian was boarding with Sky Women right. what if God is actually trying to capture Vin so that he can use her as testimony against Vin's mother, who is one of these transcendental beings. How great would that be? Like, she was a pawn in scandalizing her father, and now they're trying to make her a pawn in scandalizing her mother. That okay, so, so so to clarify, what you're trying to say is Vin's mom is a god. And in that the voice, whatever a god is, a shard, whatever, I, I do have some, I guess I do have some pre-existing knowledge coming into this that there is some sort of deity that unifies the Cosmere and whatever that is is probably related to this god that uh, was in Zane's head. And, and I think the case maybe is Vin's being mother was another such being. Vin's mom to be a demigod, not like a full-blown god. Oh, whatever, sure. But she wasn't supposed to interfere with man or she wasn't supposed to mangle and mate with them. And she she's on the hook now, so that's why she killed her daughter and tried to kill her other daughter. And the only the only hole in this theory I can think of is that she never killed Reen. Reen was older, and she probably had plenty of opportunity to kill him. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she was happy with her family for a time, and she didn't realize that that the upper gods would be angry with her. But then when she found out that she was going to be in trouble, then she tried to kill everybody. I don't know. I mean, for the record, they do share a mother. Reen and Vin share a mother. And their little sister. And, well, Presumably, yeah. yeah. That is a full little sister for Vin and half-sibling for Reen. So that's that's the the current Dave theory. All right. Let's, let's D-Dave ourselves. Oh. I get Dave. to pick apart my theories. Gosh dang it. Bye, everybody. That is exactly Bye, what we Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, 
we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. To start off, what do off, we want to talk about? Well, Dave has a bit of a uh, false premise for his theory. He does, uh, being that Vin's mom wanted to kill her. Yeah, we all have that until, until I think Ruin admits to it like much later on in Hero of Ages. I mean, sort of, except that like. All we get... Okay. So what happens is Reen comes home, there's a dead baby, there's a live Vin with a brand new earring, and there's a crazy mom. With with blood and stuff all over the place. Yeah. Because like she one... had to stab the earring through uh, Vin's baby sister's heart. Like, right. it has to go through. So there, there is... One baby's worth of blood. Yes. And that is a monstrously strong earring, is all I gotta say. And Vin continues to wear that. Ew. Well, I mean, I don't know that she realizes that it it passed through another human being. We don't. We don't know that. Just that she was given it. So, yeah, so the assumption comes from what Reen saw. Like, he has no idea. Yeah, so he's just I mean, thinking... Vin doesn't even remember this. She was too young. Yeah. This is like when she was like, what, five, maybe? Um, but the implication there is that had Vin's mom actually wanted to kill Vin, she absolutely could have. Yeah. She would have had plenty of time. Reem came in after all of this was over. So so keep in mind that this, the stuff that happens, this is all Ruin and his influence. So we get an idea of what Ruin's power level is before he's actually released, like what he's capable of. Clearly, he is whispering in Zane's head. But Ruin was also sort of controlling uh, slash whispering to Vin's mother. Although that could have been with the help of preservation. Would he want that? I don't know. Would if he'd he want, want that. Vin to get um, pierced? Probably not. No, not not to be pierced. But this is also a big setup that preservation was getting to. You know, eventually get rid of Ruin. There's stuff happening. There's See, I feel like stuff. the way things played out was not plan A. Okay. Yeah. Like, that was like plan C, because plans A and B did not work. Plan A being, let the Lord Ruler take the Well of Ascension again and fix his screw-ups, and just stay in stasis for another millennia. Yeah. Plan B is, Vin doesn't get pierced, and she takes over and takes the power of the Well of Ascension and fixes things and becomes the new Lord Ruler for another thousand years. Okay. And then Plan C is all of this shenanigans. Certainly are shenanigans here. Because Plans A and B um, both keep things more or less the way they are. They preserve things. Right. Um, so I would like to point out that... The Vin flying through the air and then bisecting a man and horse is my friend Ryan's favorite scene in the entire trilogy. <laughs> okay. And also a super cool visual. Yeah. Although I feel really bad for the horse. I do as well. Hey, why do you figure that there are horses on what seems to be every um, shard planet? 
Well, so anything that exists here on Scadrial is just because Ruin and Preservation made it so. They are copying Yolin. This is just what they grew up or existed with, and so they remade, they made their own world in that image. Um, horses exist in on Roshar because the humans took it with them. But who knows how those humans got it in the first place? Wherever they existed, which was what, uh, what's that planet called? Ashen or something? Braze? Or Ashen? I think Braze was the one. Might be Braze. That's apparently where they come from. Um, but again, where they originated from, who knows? Well, my running theory on this is that all of the 16 shard holders just like horses. Yeah, okay. They're just, they just like horses. So, so we were talking about Dave's theory and that he has the premise that, of course, Vin was trying to be killed. But I do want to emphasize his first statement, which is that Vin's mom either knows God or was harassed by a being known as, that knows God. And that, is spot on. Yeah, like, absolutely. She she's being whispered to by the same quote unquote god that was whispering to Zane, which we know is ruined. So he's he's good there, and of course he goes on the tangent because he has that assumption that hey, Vin's mom was trying to kill him, kill her, which we know is false, but we don't find out really until later on. It's it's it's. I'm glad he's thinking about that event because that's sort of important. Like how that happens, because this is where that that is the scene when Vin gets spiked and why she has the earring in the first place. It's a super big deal. And we'll see how long it takes Dave to piece it together and if he can beat it to the big reveal. Oh, um, in the what's going on with Kelsier front, this, I think, is about the last point where Hoyd could have come through. OK, like I figured it was back a little bit before Vin and Ellen left the city, um, but this is about the last point on the timeline where, like, Hoyd could have come through the well and gotten the beat of Laracium and then gotten away. I mean, I feel like it would have happened sooner. I don't think it happens, like, right at this moment. But, yeah, things are happening. Like, maybe he could sneak out at this point. Just, yeah, timeline-wise, I feel like we're at the, like, the very end where that could possibly be and There's it can't stuff really that happens, later. though, isn't it? Between Hoyd, you know, that, that little tussle with, with Hoyd, and then, of course, when Vin actually shows up. Like, isn't there, isn't there stuff? Isn't there, like, a brief chapter? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, but I know that, like, Vin takes a day or two after the Battle of Luthadel. Like, Elend has to get back to town, so there is a little bit of time, but yeah. Yeah. And Vin's attitude at the end of this, where, like, she makes Ellen Emperor when he's not there, of like, well, if he didn't want to be Emperor, he should have been here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just, Vin is just tired. She's so tired of people acting this way. She's tired of politics. You know what? I don't blame her. Just, this is getting stuff done, and I like it. Uh, Tori, you got anything going on? One of my cats will not shut up, so I've been keeping my mic muted. No, a cat can be a special guest. 
<laughs> no, no, this one's the this one's the one that never has anything good to say about anyone. <laughs> All of my cats who meowed have passed away. Oh, but you still have cats. Yeah, the other two are just really quiet. Oh, and clumsy. Yeah, the our our newer girl. She has the tiniest little meow, and our big fat guy. Uh, generally doesn't meow. He quacks a little bit, but his the like loudest it. the loudest thing he does is either snoring or purring, which are the loudest noises on the planet. He can drown out the TV. He's ridiculous. <laughs> so I feel like we've we've run out of things at the moment. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, de- I definitely wanted to talk about Dave's theory, and we achieved that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot else spoilery going on in this section. Like it's all it's all pretty much like you read it and you got it and that's what happened and there's nothing more interesting going on, but it it's fun. Yeah. So, all right, let's go ahead and cut it here. Um thanks for listening everybody. See you next week. Good night, internet. For Bye. episode 50 where we're not doing anything special. <laughs> sure anyway, bye. We're not. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.